0: Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast. So I did promise I would try to do more of these, and here we are, keeping to my promise. And I am very pleased to have uh, my friend Bill Schaefer back with us so you guys may remember Bill from a previous episode where we discussed um, Morse Taper Connections Deep Steep Internal Connections uh, he's very kindly agreed to come back, it is now just past 8 o'clock in the evening so you know, Bill thanks for taking time out your evening to do this with us and uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time uh, Bill is an oral shirt surgeon he is dual qualified uh, medicine and dentistry uh, lovely guy, very honest with it what he does you won't get any bullshit with Bill he's not you know he's not the type of person to stand there and say oh I never have pro he's very open and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to get Bill on because Bill you and I have both noticed a trend recently and that is increasing failures of implants particularly in early stages and you know at Evo I'm seeing patients with softer and softer bones so normally I have quite a regimented protocol for when for for when i'm doing these things i've got a topic that i want to discuss but this is kind of like going to be an open discussion brainstorming session so if you could just go over a little bit if you wouldn't mind just a, a brief intro for anybody who's not heard about yourself which i think will be very few people and then kind of like just let us know like you know what what issues you're starting to see and then we'll you know we'll bounce some ideas around okay um
1: I'm Bill. I've been placing implants since 1996. I've been placing them full-time since about 2002 so about 20 years full-time. I do nothing but implant surgery these days uh, pretty much. Don't do any restorative stuff. We've got guys for that. I work in a lovely center in Sussex uh, with some great guys and and an on-site lab. Um, In terms of failures we have quite a big operation so we've got a stack of surgeons a stack of restorative guys so it's important for us to keep an eye on their work and make sure everyone's hitting the right targets so we we look at the numbers of implants that we place and we look at the number of failures it's only when you're placing a lot of implants that you will see fairly subtle changes so the majority of people who place implants in the UK place less than 50 implants a year. Most of those place less than 30 implants a year. And if you're placing 30 implants a year, you're really not going to see trends very easily or very quickly. You just aren't. And we all, all of us have a tendency to overestimate the number of implants we place and underestimate the number of failures. It's just human nature. We just do. Um, And so it's only if you are placing a lot of implants and actually looking at the stats that you can see trends. So for example, let's say you had a one and a half percent failure rate three years ago. And all of a sudden, it's gone up to 3%. You've doubled your failure rate, but you've still got 97% success. Maybe you got 4% failure rate or 5% failure rate. You've got to be placing a lot of implants to be able to see that. The things that I am seeing with uh, implants over the last two years, really kind of since COVID started, is I'm seeing Worse healing, worse healing of everything, sockets, just bizarrely healing badly. Ones where you've done the extraction completely unremarkably. It's been as atraumatic as as an extraction can be. The patient's healthy, and yet they come back with pus, or they come back with just the soft tissue not looking healthy and implants weird failures where the the apex of the implant is integrated it's solid you can talk it but you've blown out the top half of the bone just i'm see we're seeing weird things and because we're placing a lot of implants last year we placed just under 2000 we see stuff happening and uh, all of us every single one of us has seen an increase in our early failure rates when we audit our implants we look at um pr- pretty much two classifications of implant failure and implant failure is when the implant is out of the mouth and uh, we look at early failures which are within 12 months of placing the implant and late failures which are more than 12 months uh, because we think that even if it's been restored but it's still only less than a year from it being placed. That's probably something related to the surgery. Um, And and we're seeing an increase, uh, everyone across the board. You know, those people who always had lower failure rates, are seeing two or three times those low failure rates. People that had slightly higher failure rates are seeing two or three times those slightly higher failure rates. And again, you know there are lots of people out there who don't look at their numbers, who really don't know how many implants they place, and they won't be, they won't, they won't spot these. Um, but I'm
0: seeing worse healing in sockets worse healing in implants just worse healing i mean that's that's pretty much exactly this the same trend that we're seeing as well um and in addition to that as well is a the average demographic of our patient uh, coming into evo needing full mouth rehab is getting younger yeah so before well, before lockdown, I think, did, did Rudy show you this data as well? Before lockdown, I think the average age was about 63, 64. Now the average age of our patients is about 57. And we're right. getting a lot of patients coming in, they're younger and younger, um, even in their mid to early 40s, where they're just periodontally yeah. completely blown out. And the other trend that I'm noticing as well, Bill, is not only are we seeing slower healing, which is exactly what you're seeing as well, we are seeing an, in- an increase in, early failures. Now, we did an audit. I'll come back to that in a moment because we found out a few things which I, which I will share. Um, but the other thing that we're noticing as well is patients are coming in with really crappy quality bone. Even if they've got the bone volume, the bone density seems to be coming down. Now, you and I have bounced some ideas around and you know what my take on it is, is, I think that it's not just one thing that's causing this increase in failure rate. I think it is some sort of systemic combination type in syndrome and what I mean by that is the government basically has been saying for 2 years don't go outside sit inside so the vitamin D levels have automatically dropped people are stressing about what's going on which is increase the the the, the cortisol levels people you know the, the gyms have been closed for 12 months and only started to reopen more recently we're not as systemically healthy as what they were and I think the cholesterol levels have, have, have gone up people you know they're, they're not eating as well they're, they're getting less exercise I think all of these things are uh combining together and that's what's causing a knock-on effect that we're seeing
1: yes I completely agree I would love sure. to have a single magic pill that uh I can use to make my patients have great bone and and their implants to work um I am I'm pushing vitamin D like I never, ever used to. All of a sudden, you know, you know when you're starting out with implants and you you have a patient for an integration check and you're a little bit nervous. And, you know, you, you kind of talk it, but hold your breath a little bit until the torque wrench uh, breaks and then you're happy. And, and, you know, I haven't been nervous about integration checks for two decades and yet all of a sudden now you know i'm 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 having weeks where i'll have two or three implants fail and you know then i might not not have anything for a month but it's just bizarre runs where all of a sudden you're going oh another one yeah like i say i'm i'm pushing vitamin d much more than i ever did before um i am i'm just going back to my technique and everything i'm running drills slower i'm you know just every anything that i can do to try and reduce the failures by a bit um what is it the olympic cyclist said Uh, an accumulation of uh minor improvements or whatever whatever it is um you know, just just trying everything that I can to, to have – I leave sockets longer now. Yeah. I used to go in all the while at two months. Now I'm leaving more and more of them three months.
0: Yeah.
1: And if they come back and it's still grotty, I'll say, take lots of vitamin D and I'll see you in another two months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I've got a dentist who uh, who refers, a big referring dentist, and he's got a lower six. And he came in and I know I could have put the implant in. But it would have been a bit of a struggle and it, it just was a bit under par and i just said come back in three months
0: yeah so it's i mean i'm really emphasizing the vitamin d with with, with patients as well um and it got to the point where we, I mean we were doing blood tests for everybody and then it got to the point where we stopped because it was just like, okay, well, you know what, everybody's deficient in vitamin yeah. D. That yeah. you know what, instead of blood instead of doing a blood test to figure it out, we just recommend vitamin D for, for everybody. And it kind of like it just became a recommendation that we do. But now I'm really starting to emphasize the importance of this to my patients. Um I also uh, I also emphasize the importance of a uh, good diet and staying active to my patients as well. Um, and I think it's it's something that's you know, the, the systemic issues, the systemic health of patient and diet, I think it's grossly. Uh, underlooked, you know, we just think, you know, stick an implant in, it'll be absolutely fine. But when we're seeing this increase in failures, we, you know, we are, we are, um, we definitely need to pay more attention. So one of the things that I've done as well is I've revisited my osteotomy technique as well. So it, particularly, if I'm in very dense bone, I will, I will time myself 60 seconds between, uh, between burrs. Uh, I've changed over my, I'm, I'm making sure that the burrs are getting changed over frequently as well but we are still seeing these these earlier failures and i can't put my finger exactly on why i got paranoid
1: about the burrs so i you know we did a big audit about how often the burrs were changed and they're fine you know there's there's nothing yeah. different about them but still that's another thing we change them more frequently now
0: exactly correct and it's and like you said it's these small incremental changes which hopefully will start to tip the balance back in our favor so the audit that we did um on our failures threw up something quite interesting is a lot of the failures were coming particularly in them now bearing in mind we are talking about predominantly full arches um yeah. so the failures were predominantly coming in the mandible when we were chasing very high torque and particularly in the pre molar positions when the angles were really quite steep. So when you came out to, uh, to, to see me, obviously I was chasing quite happy, chasing 100 newton centimeters. And I've I've just changed that now. You know, I'm I'm and now I'm aiming for 50. You know, instead of putting a 24 degree coaxis in, I'm now I've now shallowed out my angles to, to, to 12 degrees. And the other habit that I've gotten into as well is is when I'm when I am drilling. Is I like to now look at the bone that comes out to make sure it's not like that whitey brown color that is it's nice and pink, and I think that that that's important. You know, it's a, and that's a very simple test. Is if you if if you're drilling with a two millimeter or, or or anything above a pilot, when the bone's coming out, just take a look at the color. You know, if it's that creamy, that brownie color, you either need to change your osteotomy technique or possibly look at changing your drills because it should come out nice and pink. Yeah, nothing to add to that. But you know,
1: sometimes, sometimes sucky bone is sucky bone. You know, and particularly when you're doing full arches, you know, you drill a hole and it's all yellow, and you drill a hole somewhere else and it's still yellow. And you, you know, so, sometimes you just have to take what you're given and work with it. That yeah. that I'm that I'm not so. You know, that's just the. The joys of doing implants. I'm I'm just talking about yeah. where you, it feels like everything has gone right. It, there's been yeah. no surprises. It's been an absolutely uneventful, non-grafting, implant placement, and yet it just blows
0: out. You know, and, yeah. and just
1: weird things like I
0: remember you put up one of those a few weeks ago.
1: I've got loads, and and I and I've put it's up a-, a lot because because. Um, in a in a, I, I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but in a way, I don't have anything to prove, so I don't need to only put up my my good cases, and and yeah. because therefore I can put up my failures and not have to worry about my reputation or whether people will send me cases, I almost feel obliged and a duty to do so, so that the people that are. Uncomfortable about posting their failures can at least see that they're not the only ones having them. And, and like I say, weird things where I'll do where I'll do a, an internal sinus lift, a crestal graft, and the crestal sorry the um, the graft part of it, the apical part, which was all synthetic bone or whatever it is that I've used, that integrates nicely, but it's blown out at the crest, which is a native bone. <laughs> what the hell and it's all buried so it's not loading or it's what the hell and it's not overheating because that wouldn't be the crestal part that overheats it would be the deep part and you know i scratch my head and i go i just don't know
0: why i'm seeing these weird things that i didn't see before yeah. I, and, and I've had exactly that as well. I've had a handful of implants which I've put in and I thought to myself, you know what? Patient's a little bit medically compromised. Let me put a cover screw on this. You know, you come back, you know, 12, 16 weeks later, you take a PA and even when it's, even when the implant's completely buried, the crystal bone's just been lost. And I'm just like, and like yourself, I'm there scratching my head thinking to myself, well, what went wrong in surgery? And the honest answer is, nothing nothing went wrong in surgery um so i i can't i can't figure this out either i
1: i always take surgical photos so i always have a surgical photo of the implant in the bone from two angles yes. so i can see if there was crestal bone i can see if it was thick or whether it was one of those slightly thinner ones where you go oh i wouldn't be too surprised if i lose a bit of bone and yeah. do you know what' i'm, I'm seeing blowouts where you can, where there's three millimeters either side, four millimeters big chunky bits of bone yeah. and the thing blows you yeah. know? Now, now fortunately it's not the majority of cases, but it's enough when you're doing the numbers that we're doing
0: to make you question yourself yeah and I think in addition to that as well Bill obviously there's a flip side of the coin where you know um, uh, the, the patients start to get upset irate and then there's the whole patient management aspect of it as well. So it's, you know, it's whilst it's a, a nuisance for us in terms of, uh, A, our confidence, but B, obviously a business model is, you know, is the, there's the patient at the other end. And the, obviously that's what takes priority, you know, and it's, and even though I stress to all my patients that there's never a guarantee, there's always a risk of failure, when they do happen, they are gutted about it, you know, so it's, it's and again, that's human nature. I, I don't blame them it's a lot easier when you've built a reputation
1: to be able to be able to deal with failures, both for the patient and for the referring dentists. Yeah. It's much harder when you're starting out. And it's also much harder when you're starting out personally, because, you know, you beat yourself up. I, I beat myself up about stuff all the while now, but, but, okay. you know, less so than I used to, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pain in the butt when
0: you get failures. <laughs> it is so the flip side of this coin and i I only mention this because this lady stands out in my mind uh she came to see me for treatment at evo and so we're talking about patients healing slowly or not healing is uh she delivered posts for a living and when we took all of her stats uh her her uh, height, her body weight, her BMI was absolutely perfect. Her her blood pressure was 120 over 70. Her resting heart rate was like 65. Everything was pristine, and I have never seen anybody heal so quickly, Bill, in my life. And I had an inkling that that was going to happen because she was like, "Well, Pav." She goes. She goes. My job's walking all day every day. She goes. I probably walks, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten miles a day delivering posts. She goes. You know. She goes. I'm slim because because I'm constantly active. Yeah. Which just goes to to show that you know metabolically she was well metabolically she was healthy is her blood pressure was correct um you know her her cortisol levels were obviously not elevated she was out and about during the daytime getting vitamin d and she healed like lightning this was back in the day where we used to see patients after three weeks it's been pushed out six now because the lab's so busy but we used to see the patients after three weeks so when i saw her for surgery uh, full upper and lower saw three weeks later couldn't tell that I'd that i done surgery at all she gums look completely pink and healthy and that's what really got me thinking more about you know the, the link between uh systemically what's going on because it is grossly over it is grossly overlooked and ignored because I think it's it's complicated and we as dentists feel like we don't have control over that
1: yeah and it's difficult to bring up with Patients, you know, it's hard enough talking about smoking habits and alcohol habits and vitamin D, let alone going. So tell me about how many five a days or whatever, you know, vegetables you have and tell me about the exercise. Yeah, that's a real challenge. It's easier for organizations like Evo, who just do full arches. So, So the discussions can be different. It's easier for all of us doing implants when we have failures, but it's a little bit hard to just bring it up at the initial consultation. It's it's the the kind of thing that I'm, you know, everybody in the UK knows that they should uh, eat healthy, get sufficient rest and eat a varied diet, you know, and not smoke.
0: But, you know, we suck at all that. So, <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely we do. <laughs> Um so have have you come across any of these supplements which are supposed to aid in healing as well because there's a few of them which are kind of like coming to market at the moment. So I'm not just talking about vitamin D is there are there are supplement packages coming out. I know uh, Prof Shukrun who's got one. Uh, I know it's available in 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 France and I'm presuming it'll be coming to the UK. And I think there is a another one as well which um Rob teague gets from from canada and it's just supposed to support your healing it's have you come across any of these what do you think of them so in today's
1: society there should be little excuse for not having a good healthy diet you know we have access to delivery foods from the supermarket we have supermarket stocking fruit and vegetables 24-7, 365 days. You know, we should all have a wonderfully beautiful diet, but mm-hmm. most of us don't, and most of us could, Im- be, could improve our nutrition a bit or a lot. You know, a, a lot of people get delivery takeouts because they can and they taste nice. They're not the healthiest things in the world. So s- nutritional supplements, even, even if you – are stock full of the vitamins. All you're going to do is pee them out. So I don't have a huge issue with being sold or being used. Again, there will be lots of patients for whom they have enough vitamins. The the hard thing is trying to work out those, let's call it 5%, 10%, who – really could benefit from it. And and I'm not sure I have. People in the UK with darker skin, I push vitamin D hard, really hard. Um, but everybody could probably do with a bit of a nutritional boost. It I haven't yet worked out those. I think these supplements might be most, unless you can persuade every patient to have them. Or if you you, you know, yeah. you might use it as a, as a a a revenue stream you know stock it and push it and sell it i'm i'm not against that um i you know again i'm I'm not i don't know how to identify the five to
0: ten percent of people who would really benefit from it yeah. And even those, if they are taking it, if they haven't got a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle, it's not really going to really make that much of a difference.
1: And, and how long do you have to take them for? I mean, it takes a hell of a long while to get to get from a low vitamin D level to a decent vitamin D level. It takes months. So normally we're seeing these patients and sticking the implant in within four weeks or so. Um, and so even if they're taking high dose vitamin D, you know, they're probably at best going to get to lower end of normal. And with all the other, with the zinc and the B complex and all these other vitamins that are going to help with healing, how long does it Mm -hmm. take to get their levels up when they're low? I don't know. I don't know, but I suspect it's longer than we think. And they're all kind of, you know, blue M gel and all kinds of different things. And you know, when you've had a load of failures, you throw everything at it and see what sticks. And you try your best.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? You know, you, you get—we always have these handful of patients where they get cluster failures try and reassure
1: those people who don't work in a big organization with loads of smart people doing implants, but are the only one in their practice doing them, to let them know that even the big guys are having the same, are finding the same
0: issues that you are. I think a lot of people are going to find this conversation interesting because because <laughs> they see us having, having cock-ups and failures too. <laughs> I think it's purely because there are so many people out there who, you know, they're saying that that they have very few failures or they, you know, is that they have 100% success rate. And I've said a number of times before is those who claim they have 100% success rate are either telling porkies or they play. It's easy to have 100% success rate if you're placing two, three implants per year. I think it's important for those listening that they understand that, you know, complications do happen. It's the nature of what we do. And for anybody who's noticed an increase in failures um, uh, recently, you're not alone. Bill and I are sat here saying to yourself, we agree with you, we're seeing the exact same thing. Um, I mean, I don't have any any golden nugget advice to give to people other than, you know, make sure your drills are changed regularly and um, and make sure your surgical technique is good. Everything, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, you know, just just double check your technique, but we're we're still we're still noticing noticing this increase in failures. Um, is I mean, is there anything else that you can think of, Bill, that might help or might be causing it?
1: No, people. So the things that people have put forward, stress, which is very very um, amorphous. It's it's hard to pin down. Yes, you increase your cortisol levels. Yes, that increases your blood sugar. Yes, it. I have zero doubt that that will help. But we've always had stress, and you know how much has COVID linked into it. People have said, "Oh, does a, does the vaccine cause it? Does the virus cause it?" You know what? I uh, I can't really can't really say that I believe that. Um, well, certainly, cool. I was seeing problems before the vaccine even came out. So I don't think it's a vaccine. Uh, I think, like you said, it's a whole load of different factors coming together to make our life harder. And we should be talking about it and not seeing it and losing sleep over it and worrying that it's it's just you. And, and there are too many, I'm trying to think of a polite way of Describing too many people on social media who stroke their egos and say how wonderful their success rates are and show their great cases and half of them don't actually know their figures so they wouldn't know if they had an increased failure rate or not um but but those that do and those that are placing a lot like, like, I know the guys at Evo. You know, we we placed just under two thousand implants last year. You place that number and you see trends. Evo places two thousand at each of their centres, don't
0: you? So, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's more than two thousand, but yeah, it's, it's it's about that. So, and with two new clinics coming up online, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, Southern are happy. I'm presuming so. <laughs> um yeah i mean it goes back to that thing bill i think i think that a big part of it as well particularly on social media is cognitive dissonance you know i think people are not ready to recognize that they're having failures or ignoring it because they've got courses to push or something along those lines but as you've mentioned um you know it's 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 when you're open and honest with these things, I think it actually builds more trust from from the people who, who are seeking advice and guidance really. And based upon that advice and guidance, I haven't got a lot to give to the listeners today other than what we've already disclosed. because It's, it's one of those things, it's, it's a very, very gray, very boggy area. You know, it's 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 nothing along the lines of oh, you know, you can measure soft tissue thickness. If it's not thick enough, you graft it. It's this isn't like that. This is a you know, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of different factors coming into play, and all we're seeing is trends.
1: It's not just implant failures. I, I'm seeing healing of sockets, healing of extractions, noticeably being slower, and some of yeah. the healing being bizarrely bad. Um, so it's not that's not implant technique you know it, it's these aren't challenging extractions either these are extractions that have gone well and the healing just sucks it would be really interesting to see if hospital surgical practice has
0: noticed an increase
1: in problems yeah. now, that i don't know
0: yeah no i've got a, i've got a few uh medical friends who who are in hospital I may have to reach out to them and ask them <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah that's a very interesting one. Bill, thank you very much for coming on again um it's been a pleasure to talk to you as always. um I know we've mentioned this uh, before but um you just because uh, I think last time you were talking about you're in the process of doing up your lab, but you've just redone it now, haven't you because I know that Carl and Rudy went down to they were just blown away they said it's fantastic.
1: When we when we set up our centre in Hove, we never thought we'd run out of space, um, but we did. So we're expanding massively in the basement. Um, we've got a, a big dining area that seats about 50 people now, uh, but we've got 60 people working at our Hove centre. So we kind of need that. Uh, the laboratory is increased by about 40 percent, and it was quite a big laboratory before and yeah. um, so that's in the middle of that and then we've got the third stage which is a whole load of more building work for kind of other stuff but but not patients or laboratory it's just stuff for the staff and and management yeah. but it's you know it's, hey, it's a lovely place to work it's a fun place to be you know and, and the people we've got there the people we've got there are just great they're just fun bright smart engaging passionate people it's lovely
0: I, mean, I still remember my visit a few years ago. It was just absolutely spectacular. You know, it was it's just changed so
1: much since then. It, it
0: it'll be like EVOs,
1: you know. <laughs> just a, you you go you go back five five six seven years later, and it's totally different.
0: Yeah. So, Bill, anybody who wanted to send any cases to your lab, what's the what's the best way to send any cases to you? So the laboratory ceramic designs laboratory
1: CDL. Um, just go online, and you, they'll find out again they're smart clever people they do a huge amount of implant stuff but they don't just do implant about about 40 percent of their work is non-implant stuff they're they're just the equipment they have compared with when we started kind of eight nine years ago you know, we got so many mills, so many printers, so much digital stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's fantastic. I love it. And it, it all keeps you on your toes. Like like the stuff you're doing, if implants were the same as when I started 26 years ago, I'd be so bored. But because it's all changing so quickly,
0: because the technology is changing, you've got to learn it all. And it's fun, yeah i still love it as well I'm constantly learning constantly progressing and that that's that, that's the nature of the animal i guess so yeah brilliant bill thank you very much for your time this evening uh thank you all for listening and until next time titani nerds uh will, if you've got any more topics that you'd like me to cover please let me know uh but i will be speaking to you all again soon